0: Hi everyone, Drew Road here with another episode of the Broken Brain Podcast that I think you're going to love. I'm here to give you a preview about what we're about to get into. But before I do that, thank you for all the incredible reviews that you left on Apple, iTunes, and other podcasting services out there. When you leave a review, it lets the world know that you vote for this podcast and that you're enjoying it. And there's been some incredible reviews out there, including one for my mom. Thank you, mom, for leaving a review on the podcast. Okay, today's episode with Dr. K, who's a mindset coach and a naturopathic doctor based in Toronto, Ontario. Dr. K is incredible. And on this podcast, we go deep into mindset. How do we train our mindset? What does it mean to have a growth mindset? How can we have inspired action? And how can we change some of the behaviors that aren't serving us? We get into all of that in today's Episode. And it's really great to hear from a naturopathic doctor who both understands biology but also can integrate how we can actually train our brain and how the two of those things work together. And we dive into all of that in today's podcast. Most importantly, we talk about how we can go from the knowing to the doing and how we can bridge that gap from knowing to doing. Have you ever been in a place? Where you've known exactly what to do but you're not doing it maybe you've heard a few tips or things that you've wanted to do on some of these episodes but haven't taken action dr k is going to teach us how we can step into action by training our mindset i hope you enjoy today's episode here's my formal intro for dr k welcome to the broken brain podcast i'm your host drew perot executive producer of the broken brain docu-series This podcast is dedicated to continuing the conversations that Dr. Hyman and I started during the Broken Brain series. Each week, we'll invite a new guest who we think will help improve your brain health, help you feel better, and most importantly, live your best life. Today's guest on the podcast is Dr. Yasher Khosroshahi, who also goes by Dr. K. Dr. K is a naturopathic doctor, a certified brain-based executive coach and the co-founder of Mind Shift Ninja which we're going to hear all about in the podcast. Dr. K graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine and applies his training from the Neuro Leadership Institute and the Institute of Heart Math to help individuals optimize mind-body performance for business, sports, relationship, personal health and well-being. Dr. K continues to enjoy teaching health psychology at CCNM here in Toronto, is a drummer in a rock band, I want to hear a little bit about that, and is madly in love with his family. Dr. K, welcome to the Broken Brain Podcast.
1: Drew, absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So honored. You know, so much of our focus on brain health is not just what we put into our bodies, but we've been doing some episodes recently on exactly what you focus on, which is Mindset. So I'm excited to dig deep and talk a little bit more about it. And let's start off with something really basic. In the bio, I was talking about how you run something called Mindshift Ninja. What is a Mindshift Ninja?
1: Yeah. Mindshift Ninja is, a, is an executive coaching uh, company that I started with my sister. And our mandate really is to train mindset for transformational leadership for organizations and the community. So a mind shift ninja, if you will, is someone who's able to see challenges and have a real clarity, a real sense of how they want to tackle that challenge. And how you do that is really by understanding who you are, why you're doing the work you're doing, and how you want to face those challenges to make more of an impact for yourself and the people around you.
0: What's the opposite of a mindset ninja?
1: Yeah, the opposite. That's a great question, in fact. And that's someone who's very robotic, mindless, and who's kind of just going through life and having it hit him or her and not doing much about it except maybe wallowing and maybe looking for excuses for why things aren't working and blaming a lot of blame happens you know you blame others and in psychological terms that's you know you're you're dispersing the energy of pain onto somebody else you know so that would probably be the opposite
0: it's so great because we talk a lot about the practical things that we need to do to improve our health but we don't, I think, talk enough, although there's more of a conversation around it, around the tools that we need and the strategies and the mindset to be able to effectively execute the things that we want to do. And I know that's a big part of what you talk about. I think what will help people understand this a little bit better is can you explain to our audience a little bit more about the three brains that we have? Yeah. Most people think of one brain, but you talk about there being three brains.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me start by just simply, actually, before I dive right yeah, into that, saying, into yeah, saying that. My roles are, are, are a little bit varied as a naturopathic doctor, brain-based executive coach, and a health psychology teacher. However, what the commonality in all that is, is that I'm helping people choose to show up to the challenge. You know, I'm, choo- I'm, I'm asking them, and they're asking themselves, to show up to the challenge in a way that's more impactful and powerful. So we have to look inside the body and see, what are these tools that we have at our disposal so that we can do that? So that's where the three brains come from. The big brain, which most of us are familiar with, is the psychology and the mindset piece, and there's a lot we could say about that. But we have to also understand that the big brain is influenced by many other systems and organs within the body. So you have your little brain, as science likes to call it, and that's how your heart functions. And a tool I love using is heart rate variability biofeedback that helps us get a real understanding about the interplay between our stress nervous system and our calm, relaxed or gratitude nervous system and how we can actually tap into that. And when we are able to do that, then we have better messaging going to the brain. The brain opens up and is able to deal with complex issues and emotional trauma in a very different way. So there's the little brain on that. And then there's the second brain, which is gut function. You know, we know this now, and many brilliant doctors um, eloquently spoke on this on the docu series, the Broken Brain docuseries, where serotonin is the one that's often talked about. You know, 90% of that is created in the gut, not the brain. So how are we feeding the gut so that it can produce these molecules, dopamine, BDNF, which is another fertilizer kind of uh, neurochemical that helps our nervous system grow. All of these things are happening in the gut. And if we're not taking responsibility for how we're feeding the gut and the information we're giving the gut, then the big brain, again, is getting all these these messages that are not actually powerful and, and improving our health and the way we see the challenges around us
0: you've combined a few different areas to create this unique field that you're you're in. And I think it's really beautiful. I want to hear a little bit more because a personal story is always relevant to our audience. What brought you to that combining? What's your own story? Did you struggle with your uh, own personal mindset?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Again, I think, first of all, I've always been an incredibly curious individual. So I think that that's always been the backbone of everything. However, you know, by the time I arrived at first year medical school at the age of 23, it was the eighth school that I've attended in seven different cities in three different countries. Wow. Yeah. it's a lot. That's a lot. And I think what happened, not I think, I know what happened in, 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 the, in, the, in the changes was I started to think people were disposable because so many people came and went. But really it was one day where I was kind of working through this and I realized it's not that people are disposable i feel disposable i feel like i don't matter i feel like i'm not connected or connecting to the people around me so that really started my journey on you know what makes people feel better how do we connect better what's really going on and and because people around me were doing fine you know they were doing well others obviously weren't i was good at the game you know getting the marks impressing people on a very superficial level but inside i didn't feel like something was making sense so that was the start of my long, you know, windy road to where I am today, understanding what it takes to show up to life in a way that's much more engaged, connected and significant.
0: You know, a lot of people have heard the term um, uh, growth mindset and and fixed mindset. And, and you have this term that you talk about, you know, from knowing to the doing gap. Um, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. You know, how do people grow and go from the knowing about something to the doing and that gap in between?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's probably many different ways to get there and go through that. But the commonality, you know, I would speak to a few things. Bringing up growth mindset, I always speak about defining growth mindset as the belief that change can happen and then the desire to do so. So I separate those two things because someone can have a desire to want to change their life, but not necessarily a belief that they can do it. They don't
0: think that they can.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So there's we can, we can dive into that. But then the other side of that, and I think that very much goes into that uh, belief structure, is psychological safety. How much am I allowed to show up in my own mind as who I am without the veil, without the mask, without the resume, and really look into the places in my mind, in my interactions, That are not working for me how comfortable am i to sit in discomfort how much am i going to lean into the uncomfortableness and do what all great friends do attend be there and actually be compassionate not judgmental and not necessarily to make excuses and wallow but to honor the struggle so to speak you know and and for us to be able to do that that's a skill set right i always say this who was when or who was the last time You learned how to think about challenges versus what to think. Everyone's telling us what to think. Think positively, stand up straight, beat your chest, you know, go hustle, go kill it. That's telling me what to think. I don't know how to do that. And it's not a matter of just doing it. It's a matter of deeply connecting to who you are, your identity, why you want to be that person, again, significance and big impact, and how you're going to look through challenges and and. Again, I didn't say past challenges. I said through challenges to get there.
0: You know, in naturopathic medicine and functional medicine, we often talk about how there's, there's sort of two categories. One category is that there might be a molecule missing that's preventing, uh, you know, two cells or neurons or something from having a function happen between them. So something's missing, and when that thing is added, right, then the function happens. And in other cases, there's something that's there that's a blockage that we need to remove could be a toxin, could be something to allow a function that was naturally, uh, happening. How do you think about when it comes to mindset, you know, as kids, are we, you know, as kids, are we good? And then society sort of trains us to be this way. So we have to remove a blockage or, Just we were never given a manual so human beings throughout time have just been had to fend for themselves and try to learn from people I'd be curious to understand how you think of stuff.
1: Yeah, and and I have to I have to slow myself down I'm getting excited by these questions And, and so what what I would start with is maybe understanding a little bit about the functionality Of the brain, you know primitively speaking We know that the brain is gonna wire to protect itself from threat before it's going to ever move towards reward OK, so we know that has a negativity bias. So right just off, out of survival, just out of survival. And that's because, you know, the our ancestors have done it right. That's why we get to sit here and have technology record our voices. Right. That's that's not a bad thing, but it's it's something that we have to be made aware of and understand. So once we know that now we can have a different conversation and say, OK, so the brain does that. So how do we get past that? Well, there's many different ways, but I'll tell you how you can't get past it. You can't get past it by ignoring it. You can't get past it by denying it. And you can't get past it by judging yourself and beating yourself up for it.
0: Which you just described sort of modern society. Yeah. In terms of the way that we handle most things. We judge it. We put the blame on other people or we ignore it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people listening here can feel like they can relate at least sometimes to being in one of those three.
1: Absolutely, and 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 this concept of um, all vibes welcome. You know, we live in this day and age where it's like, again, just be positive. Don't bring that energy around me. Well, then, where do I go to to unload it, to work through it, to understand it? What if we said all vibes welcome, but you got to take accountability and responsibility for the vibe that you choose to bring into the space?
0: I love that all vibes welcome, and especially in the beginning, you know, when you look at how to think rather than what to think then a quote-unquote negative thought is fine it's fine for it to come up we don't want to suppress it instead we want to know how to handle it and see it as something separate not identifying ourselves with it so i'd love to keep on i mean this is great this is right up my alley and i know this is right up a lot of listeners alley so unpack this a little bit you know more for us uh so let's go back to this concept of from knowing to doing Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's, as you said, let's really break it down. So it becomes tangible for listeners. You're going from point A to point B on some journey of yours. Okay. Point A, you're usually at the place of, I know I should be, I want to be uh, doing X, Y, or Z. I know I should stop eating that food. I know I should be exercising more. I know I should probably be a little bit more calm and not as aggressive with my loved ones. Right. And then you start that journey if you have a little bit of spark to do that. And we often do. Right. It's that that initial excitement of, okay, this is going to be better. This is exciting.
0: The feeling of starting something new. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, the resolutions that we all make. (laughs) And then life happens. And what else happens more than life just happening? Your brain is patterning your experience all the time. It's creating a map, so to speak. And so you're going to go about your day and something's going to challenge the new idea. I'm going to be less aggressive towards my loved ones, for example. Something happens. Boom. It's automatic. I'm about to be aggressive. And now you have this conflict within because your brain is saying, whoa, 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 the map told us we just do this. We yell. We stomp. And now you're telling me to stop? Too much resource. Too much work. I don't want to. So then we'd rationalize that. And I hear it in my office all the time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. Nobody I, supports me. I don't have enough friends. Exactly. So we're, again, we're dispelling this. And there may be elements of truth to that, but we're, we're, we're giving it away again. The accountability and the responsibility has been dropped once more. And so we have to sit in that moment. So we're at A, we know what we want. We want to go to B, but halfway through it, the bridge is a little bit rickety and it's not supporting us. So what do we do here? Right. And and I like working with it with an with an acronym or more a mnemonic, I would say. And, and it's it's brain, actually. And and I'll go through it quickly and we can dive into any section of it. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So B always starts with breath work. Do you want to start to activate the the parasympathetic nervous system that rest and digest nervous system? Fastest way to do that is get in- you know, get in tune with your breath work. This doesn't have to be meditation in the formal sense. This doesn't have to be yoga mats or up on a mountaintop somewhere. This literally means just regulate your breath as simple as five seconds in and five seconds out. If you're really feeling stressed out and really want to put the brakes on your nervous system, then elongate your exhale longer than your inhale. That really starts to activate the parasympathetic
0: and it starts there you have to start with the breath that's the most fundamental thing
1: what did einstein say you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it
0: and one of the ways to shift that consciousness is, is with the breath
1: absolutely because if we go back to the primitive state then we we have this rage anger fear state and it closes off higher functioning areas of our brain it turns it off so i no longer can bring back useful resources to help me work through this challenge because now I have my horse blinders on quote-unquote I see red you know I'm just going straight for it so we got to take a moment build in that buffer bring it build in that pause and that's through breath so that the brain can open up again and start using higher functioning skills and start using you know better tools essentially to solve this problem
0: it's almost like it's easier to play out your default pattern when you're Uh, holding your breath
1: yeah and it makes sense again because the brain patterns it and it sends it into into less demanding resource centers in the brain so that it could play off that map quickly and easily. That's the automatic state. That's the opposite to the mind shift ninja I was speaking of. That's the person who just does it as it comes and doesn't really think about it or doesn't take the time and the energy to see, is this actually working? Is this useful? Do I want to continue this way? Is this fruitful for me and my family and my community, my closest relationships? So start with the breath, give your brain a chance to catch up, right?
0: It's amazing, it reminds me of this trainer that I had at Equinox one time. Very smart dude, almost had a very like zen approach. And, um, you know, he said, you you know, why I want you to focus on your breath is because I want you to do things the way that I'm talking about them and not the way that you're used to lifting this weight. So if you're used to lifting this weight, because you're always going to go towards the path of path of least resistance, which is great in, if you just need to get the thing done, but if you're trying to build a muscle in a particular way, you have to do it a little bit differently. So it's like, I want you to breathe because you're going to do it differently, right? Because at one time I just asked him, I was like, why, like, like for real, for real, right? <laughs> like, for real, what is the impact of breathing? Just, like, break it down, right? And I'm a smart guy, but that answer surprised me.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I love that analogy because the brain's a muscle, so we got to train it, right? You go, I love the gym analogy, and people get it, right? Listen, you can read all the books in the world on how to do bench press. If you don't go do a bench press, you're not going to have the pecs. It's that simple. So all these self-help books, you know, what does uh, Jim Quick say? Uh, uh, Shelf-help books. You know, like it's on the shelf. And, and you, just, you just you read them, but you're not applying them, right? And we can probably dive into that quite a bit. But part of this brain mnemonic is about diving into and actually applying those quote-unquote pectoralis muscles or whatever muscles, in this yeah. case the brain muscles, right? Your nervous system. You're, you're, you're wired to improve. We just have to give it the right stimulus so it can do it.
0: So let's keep on working through yeah. that brain uh, mnemonic yeah. and, um, and, and take us through the rest of them.
1: Yeah, so R is recognition. This is, this is really fun because most people get stuck at thinking, uh, uh, you know, uh, emotions are in the head. If they're not. Emotions are buried in the body. So we have to start recognizing where in the body this emotion is coming up. You know, physiology being at the core of things, produce some sort of chemical electrical impulse that's essentially what emotion is in some part of our body and then feelings are essentially how your brain narrates it you know the story you tell yourself the classic example are you actually nervous or are you excited pretty similar in, in in signature right so it's it's the narration so let's 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 tune in let's recognize where in our body this emotion is coming up this is a great tool for building mind body connection.
0: Where physically is it in your gut? It is in your chest. Exactly. Is it in your neck? Like yeah. where are you feeling it and recognizing that?
1: Yeah. Cuz then we can put our attention towards it. We can put our attention towards it and then do what A stands for and that's attend, something we spoke on a little bit. Attend, befriend. Attend the pain as if you're your own best friend. Be there, don't judge it. Just actually sit with it. Continue the breathing. And, and let that experience take over the, the situation for a second. Because most often, that which you resist persists, right? So let's be, let's be really rebellious about this. Let's not resist it. Let's just be with it.
0: That's the most rebellious thing you can do is actually not push against it and to embrace it for a minute.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, it goes against the grain. Your brain goes, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a second. This is not part of the path. And you're like, I know. I know, friend. It hasn't been, but it can be. Give it possibility. Mm. Right? So then you sit with it and you attend, again, as a good friend will. Compassion is to be with. Compassion is to not transform right away. I love transformation. My life work is about transformation. But come on, let's be real here. You're not going to just snap your fingers and things are going to change. Not in a sustainable and healthy way, at least. Right? So let's attend i is kind of a brain like mine that gets excited because now we can investigate you know now after we've done our breathing after we've recognized where it is after we decided we're not going to judge and we're just going to be there as a best friend would let's investigate let's get into the idea of why is this pattern occurring for me what's going on around what's my environment you know what this what's the stimulus that's coming in for me what's my internal environment reacting to this to this stimulus let's get details Let's really understand is this in fact an emotion right a stored energy an emotion that's being displaced Improperly in the wrong place or time it's been created somewhere else But now because of whatever reason we can get lost in the details But let's not go there just yet for whatever reason it's coming out now classic example You have a bad day at work you come home and yell at your family who's done nothing wrong, right? Right you've displaced energy emotion built up in your body that you haven't dealt with onto what you think essentially are people who will accept that from you
0: yeah you wouldn't do it to a stranger right. some people do because yeah. there's so much <laughs> yeah. that they're dealing with but you wouldn't yeah. do it to a stranger so yeah. your body's looking for a, the safest way to get that out
1: exactly exactly so that's where you can start investigating kind of see am I, am I repeating these patterns where do they come up how are they coming up and then really exciting part and the part that we all want to jump on right away and not necessarily do the other work is N, new beginnings. And new beginnings is all about taking control of the things that you actually have control about, which are your feelings, your thoughts, and your behavior. So again, if emotions are in the body, what would it feel like to be in the opposite state? If you're feeling neglected, what would it feel like to be seen? What would it feel like to actually be validated what would it feel like inside your body to feel comfortable in your own skin and like you matter right so those are your feelings and then thoughts what thoughts would come from that and you can go from thoughts to feelings it's depending on you know some people are more comfortable one way or the other but what thoughts would come from being validated being seen being safe
0: so these are questions that you're asking yourself yeah. when you're going through that, and you're not you're just sort of just imagining the end result and is this something that you do in like a moment like can you do this on your own when you're sitting on the couch and you notice
1: yeah i think again it depends on starting point for individuals you know some people really need a lot of support through this and that's understandable they've had a lifelong narrative that hasn't been very comfortable or safe right history of trauma exactly exactly so i'm not going to sit here and like bang your chest get over it yeah right but i'm also not going to say live with it as if you can't do anything about it. Hmm. You know, we gotta pull up our socks at one point. And I mean that in the most loving and supportive way possible. Right? One because of my mentors I, oh sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say because I know through the science and through experience that you can improve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of my mentors used to always say that uh it's actually a beautiful thing if it's your fault that something happened. Mm. And it's not from a place of judgment. It's not from a place of, oh, it's your fault. Now you're bad. Those are two separate things. If something was your fault, then you can also be the solution. You can also be the answer for it. So in this recognition, because sometimes the loop is an event or a situation happens to us. We feel that it happens to us. We're left with this energy and we don't know where to to put it. So it becomes this lifelong thing that we integrate into our way of trying to navigate the world this negative emotion that we stored from something happening rather than realizing oh i'm i'm in control a little bit which is what you're trying to which is what you're talking about here with your
1: work yeah absolutely and then and then once you have that realization that connection to that feeling or those thoughts then from this vantage point you can ask what's the next best step or most healthful step i can take i didn't say solve it i didn't say climb everest What's the next best step? Because that's when the brain actually opens up and it's not overwhelmed. You know, your family's going through uh, a divorce and you want your children not to be traumatized. Well, that's that's Everest, right? What's the next best step? And often when we can string some of these ideas, you know, together and these behaviors together, that's when we start shifting and building that bridge between point A to point B, which is the you know the outcome we're looking to to get
0: I think it's so beautiful because you really have individuals because a lot of people, many of us, including myself, didn't grow up with these tools, so when you're trying to navigate and you're just trying to survive, even if you learn a little bit about personal development, sometimes you want to just jump to the end
1: yeah <laughs> and I was absolutely guilty of that for years and i would I would to be completely honest, I would have to say, maybe the last five years um I've become more aware and connected to the pain that one can sit with to get to the end point that one wants, you know and it's it's listen i I played sports growing up, I was captain of rugby teams and da, la 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 like I can go on the point is that never it gave me confidence in certain areas it allowed me to learn a lot about myself and others but it never gave me the tool that we're talking about which is sit with pain but don't wallow in pain
0: hmm. it's a it's a such a fine distinction but there is a distinction just expand on on that a little bit we we kind of talked about it but just to help people understand what's the difference between sitting in pain and not wallowing in it like what's even the physiological difference that you sometimes see in somebody, if you're imagining somebody who's sitting in pain and then somebody who's wallowing in pain.
1: Yeah, um, really great question. I think to, to keep it on ground level at first and we can build up is essentially going back to that psychological safety where you're allowed to feel this and not judge yourself. Because wallowing in pain is often also judging the environment and yourself that's created it.
0: Why am I going through this? I'm worthless. All the thoughts that come with it, which keep, you know, there's different theories, but keep the ego alive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and ego in fact is, you know, how I would describe it is your, your experience, your journey, your perceptions, your identity wrapped up in the moment. You know, it's just the story you tell yourself about who you are. Right. So, There there's an element of dissolving that story that's very powerful, right? But you can you can still come from ego in certain situations and it can be very useful, right? It just depends on that that the narrative that you spin with it and depends on how you use the word ego, really. But, so true. Yeah. But if we fully dissolve ego, sure, we can get into that that place <laughs> that, you know, uh, nirvana or enlightenment, you know, that that many of us are on the path for uh, or with uh to to kind of experience. But maybe we haven't got there quite yet. You know, our GPS keeps recalculating. Um but but I think it's it's fundamentally it's that again, that accountability and that responsibility for how you're showing up to the challenge and not allowing that to overtake the entire situation so that you stay in that state of hands thrown up in the air and Who gives a crap?
0: Hmm. It's it's uh, it kind of reminds me of something that Um, I heard Eckhart Tolle say one time which is that somebody asked him I was at an event You know his ego all bad. Hmm. He said ego is gonna be there. It's the identification with the ego That's the challenge. Yeah, it's thinking you are these thoughts, thinking you are these things, being so identified with them that you can't separate yourself from this feeling that you're feeling. Instead of just feeling that feeling, yeah, and not saying, you know, do you do you believe in the idea? Sometimes people talk about this, like, you know, instead of saying I'm angry, I'm feeling the feeling of being angry. Yeah, is there? You know, how do you see the difference yeah. in those two?
1: Yeah, you know, absolutely. You just, you just, you you just said it. And where I, what I was kind of alluding to earlier when I said ego can be protective. I'll give you an example with a uh, client Please. that I was yeah that I was working with. That she came in, um, you know, about five, seven, uh, 280 pounds. So obviously, from a health standpoint, would do better if if she lost weight. And she knew that, and she want, that's why she came in. She wanted to lose weight. We talked about low-carb diets and keto, and she came in, you know, actually working with uh, Dr. Jason Fung, who is is an expert in the area. So knowledge was not the problem here, right? She actually answered a lot of my questions as if she's read every textbook. You know, she got it. She knew the she, information. She knew the information, right? But what she hasn't done is garnered or developed wisdom with that knowledge. What I mean by that is this. You know stuff, but you haven't yet applied it to yourself in a practical and personal and purposeful way so that you can work through the challenges that come in your direction. That's wisdom. Taking all this information, make it personal. Make it apply to you in your daily life. Now you have some wisdom to work with. So, you know, I caught on to that early and I wanted to really spend time with her there. And I'll cut to the chase and essentially she said, you know, sometimes I'll have one or two bowls of ice cream in a day. I said, okay, so what's the problem? with that for you? And she said, well, my boyfriend calls me out on it. I said, great. What's the problem? Again, I'm neutral in this. What's the problem in that for you? And she says, well, I don't like that. I said, why wouldn't you like that? Do you think ice cream is going to help you lose weight? Just on a very knowledge. And she goes, of course not. I said, okay. So why wouldn't you like that? And we played and I won't go through the whole scenario, but essentially what came out of all this was she said that I'm an adult, I know how to take care of myself in a very emotionally driven way. I said, okay, I'm going to ask you a really simple question and I mean it with a lot of love. Is that true? Do you know how to take care of yourself? And she kind of hummed and hawed and looked at me like, you know, I haven't thought of it that way. And that's a that's a very impactful moment when someone says, I haven't thought of it that way. Mm. That's a new possibility it is being born. Stay still, let this happen. And what she said was, in my previous relationship, The guy I was with basically treated me like a child. Didn't let me do anything. And so we worked through that a little bit, but essentially what I told her and what she understood and we're working through now is what what we alluded to earlier in this conversation, and that is she developed a coping mechanism that was actually maybe powerful in the moment because she felt like she was being taken advantage of. She developed this idea of, I need to stand up for myself, and how dare you tell me what to do because she had a history of an individual You know telling her what to do and she felt no agency or autonomy But now she's in a different relationship, but the mapping of the brain says hey Don't you dare let that happen again unsafe?
0: Mm. It's almost like the pendulum swung so far in one direction that to compensate it swung in the other direction exactly
1: so simply put She created a coping mechanism Maybe even a healthy one at that in some situation and she's expressing it inappropriately in this situation So this is not about knowledge, right? This goes back to mindset. This goes back to the framing of the situation. This goes back to, am I willing to see that this is not working for me? And what would it feel like if I actually felt that I was capable of taking care of myself? What would that look like? How would I behave, right? Let's dream this stuff up. Because we know, again, on the psychological and neurological level, that's exciting for the brain. To, to have a wish and know what that outcome of that wish is and really become ingrained in that. But what I think is the problem with positive thinking, and uh, Gabrielle uh, Oettinger uh, wrote a book on rethinking positive thinking. Mm. Uh, psychologists in New York, uh, brilliant work and research. Essentially, when we stop there at the wish and outcome, the brain says, all right, we got it. We almost get lazy. Mm. But we got to go two more steps, and that's obstacle not within the environment necessarily, but within yourself that's reacting to the environment in a certain way. And then the plan of how you're going to work through that. And that's called mental contrasting, where you're not just about the dream, you know, think big, think positive. A lot of what we hear, again, Instagram is is amazing for this, but it's not sexy to say, well, while you're thinking big, sit down on with paper and pen and write down, why do you get in your own way? You know, and how are you going to work through that? Right? So that's 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 the point it's often that
0: we feel if aliens came to our culture and visited the earth and they had to describe it as something and write a book report.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love this. Keep going.
0: (laughs) They probably describe it as a do more culture, more, more, more things. And in fact, most of us, especially when you enter into the space of taking control of your own mindset, your health, other stuff, it feels like it's so much about doing, and yet, sometimes what I'm hearing from you is actually the path forward is by almost not doing mm-hmm. and first reflecting, first reflecting. But there's so many years. I mean, America, North America, you know, the the mindset, the positive mindset is known for the can-do mindset. And it's it's beautiful to have that. And yet, there's a cost and there's a toll. And I'm sure you probably... A lot of the people you work with, because separate from, you know, being a naturopathic doctor, you're working with people individually on this mindset work as a coach, you probably see a lot of high achievers who have done 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 done, and yet still something is getting in their way from them feeling content or happiness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and what's the what's the saying? We're we're human beings, not human doings, right? That's been that's been thrown around a lot and, and we we are. We're overachievers. Uh and and this can-do attitude is great, but again, it's not a problem to slow down. In fact, it's probably an advantage to slow down and take note and build build better resources so it can be sustainable, right? We all know those people who are successful in a domain. Let's call it finances. But I'm most in, most interested in how can we be successful in multiple domains, right? How can I make the money? And that that definition really it's a it's a it's so individual, you know, it's like, okay, great. You know, we know the science says anything above 75,000 a year doesn't increase happiness, so on and so forth. Right. So take it for what it is. But I think at the end of the day, we, we all know at least stories of people who have way more money than we do, and are, are not any happier or connected, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's one domain. Then it's the intrapersonal domain, how I take care of me and how I think of me and how I honor and respect and trust me to work through some of these challenges and processes. And then there's the interpersonal, which again, we were speaking, you know, quote unquote off mic earlier. And that is the relationship I have with you, Drew, is directly proportional to how well I take care of me because the brain works again in an avoid, approach, attach state
0: avoid approach attach yeah take take us through those
1: yeah so the avoid again is the the primitive like Mm -hmm. fight uh flight or freeze right and then if the if the basic safety mechanisms are in check i i i feel like my my brain can relax and i can i can be okay in this i'm going to start to approach and usually for people that's stuff you know elements in 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 themselves or or interpersonal relationships where i have to do with significance would have to do with relatedness i feel like i belong has to do with certainty you know i have some element of control over that agency or autonomy like i can i can actually make a decision and feel like it, it, it matters again within yourself or with others and when those environments are in place then we can move into building healthy attachments the counter to that is we can sometimes feel attached and it's a very unhealthy thing it's called addiction mm-hmm. Right. But again, some of the leading neuroscience around this is sure, there's a chemical hook to pick your drug. Right. But it's a feeling hook. It's an emotional hook more than anything else, I think, that allows certain people to take cocaine and not be addicted. And others know they were immediately addicted from the moment it went into their system. Right. So is it the cook? Is it epigenetics? Is it genetics? Is it? Yes, yeah, sure, all of it. But really, I think it's also we're searching for a feeling. And that feeling is given by this element, in this case, drugs, but we call it shopping therapy. What now? Handbags have a chemical hook? No, you know, it's not necessarily the handbag. It's what you're searching for, it's that feeling. So if we want to be healthy, we got to understand what, th- what are the things we're avoiding and why we're avoiding them, how we can approach them. In a way that we can start building trust in ourselves, and again, confidence is a skill that we can build. And You know, it's not this nebulous thing running, uh, running around. And we're trying to grab it. It's a skill. It's keeping the promise to yourself over and over and over again. And then once we are able to feel that within ourselves and our environment, then we can start moving to more uh, healthy attachments.
0: So I think a lot of people are listening to this and and really resonating with your description of these basically steps. A lot of times you just feel a negative feeling and then you jump immediately right to the conclusion and you don't even think anything in between. Here you're sort of parsing it all out so we can look at them in individual components so then we can break it up and then address them and go in like a like a surgeon in a way, yeah. right? Our own sort of mindset surgeon and take and remove things that are beneficial and not beneficial. For somebody who's listening and is like noticing that they have um, an addiction that's preventing them their health from moving forward, that's noticing... Um, that they they have a plan, they have a goal and they keep on getting tripped up. Um, what are the first, it's all individualistic and based sure. on where they're at, but what are some things that they can begin to look at? You know, you gave us brain mm-hmm. and you walked us through that mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um, is there, are there other things that you recommend to the people that you work with to get started on sort of increasing a little bit more of that awareness and resilience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, you're absolutely right. There's a, uh, There's a very individual story within what seems to be a, you know, uh, epidemic of addictions, right? But there's everyone has their own story. So starting, you know, almost backwards and finding a tribe or a connection or social support, whether it be a doctor, a community center, something that, that can kind of stay there and be there with you through the journey is probably one of the most important steps Period. Like, let's stop there and honor that and know that that changes biochemistry, that changes neurology, that changes everything. If we and can and find human that. beings
0: were never meant to go at it alone. No. And yet so no. many people feel isolated. They feel like they're the only person in their tribe that thinks this way, lives this way. Even if they have loving people around them, people that mean well, they don't feel like they have the support system. So here you're saying that before, you know, or one thing to consider on the journey is Surround yourself with people that have your back in some shape or form Including maybe a practitioner who knows what they're doing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely because then we can get into the nitty-gritty of what supplements will support You know, uh the adrenals or brain function or liver function and all of that that we know or is important. We can't ignore that However, again, it's the is the knowing and doing gap, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to fulfill that piece and um if it were that easy then why would anyone be addicted right so it is not belittling the experience um but it's also i think it can be almost belittling when you say well i told you what to do and we stop there Mm. that's damaging i would say right how is that helping you know and, and i'm not saying let's coddle again you you're responsible and accountable for yourself your vibes and your actions but boy you better believe i'm here and not to necessarily cheerlead this is a distinction i like to make with my patients too when they do something anything that is a is a step in the direction that they're hoping to go into i always say to them congratulations and we talk about it and i stop and i say i'm not cheerleading you by the way i'm acknowledging you here's the difference a cheerleader typically speaking is on the sidelines and saying i hope you score a touchdown right and when you score a touchdown it goes yay you scored a touchdown <laughs> acknowledgement says i saw the way you stepped that tackle you stiffed arm the other one you saw the opening there you zig and then you zagged in the 20 yard line you had your head up you switched the ball from one side to the other it breaks it down it acknowledges all the things you took accountability responsibility and power over to get to the end zone
0: and even i'm guessing yeah. um, and this kind of plays into kids which i want to talk about too yeah. it's um even acknowledging the effort to try to make it to the end zone. Totally.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 thank you for bringing that up because patients will say stuff like, "Well, I just did blah. I went I just went to the gym twice this week." And I said, "What would happen if you just if you just if you drop the just and they say, "I went to the gym twice this week." Congratulations." Yeah. Right? Just only, you know, these kind of words Take away our own power whether we know it or not, you know, we just we just put a hole in our gas tank and say Why are we running on fumes? Because you're constantly saying things that don't get you excited about yourself You know, I just ate a salad today. No, I ate a salad today Is there something more you'd like to do? Let's explore that but why diminish what you have done,
0: right? So true You know our first episode that we ever did on the broken brain podcast is with a dear friend of mine dr. Rangan Chatterjee from London and uh, his uh, he just released the cover for his new book called The Stress Solution and when i was asking him you know tell me a little about the book and why do you want to write about that he's like honestly i'm so convinced that the more patients i see the more that i realize their mental how they handle their mental health is bigger than anything else you know his previous book was the four pillar plan and about eating well sleeping well exercising and you know addressing those other things but it's like nothing can trip you up more than the wrong mindset yeah. on something.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think the first 5 years of practice I was under the the spell of I hope I know the answer. Right? Anyone and everyone who comes in, I hope I know the answer. I better know the answer. Let me research 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 so I know the answer. The last 5 years has been how connected can I be to this experience to facilitate, you know, a mindset shift if you will or change in in the way they perceive the environment and themselves right and oftentimes when they leave the office and they have a kind of an aha moment I'll stop them say before you leave I'm gonna ask you a couple questions number one did anything in the external world change from the time you put your bum in that chair (laughs) and you know an hour has gone by to the time you're leaving this office they're like no but do you feel different they say yes great who did the work immediately all of them say you did thank you and i said no 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 mm. who did the work and then when they clue in they realize that you know it's the same thing is it is it really what's happening to you or is how you're responding to it and and we know there's a universal part of stress you know the way our physiology changes and so on and so forth all your racing heart dry mouth sweaty palms universal but the personal side of stress is way more fruitful if we dive, dive into it and that's again the narrative the story the interpretation of what's happening around you right and we can we can share multiple multiple stories around that and how one person sees it as a panic the other one sees it as an excitement you know and, and it's not that simple but it, it's that foundational to start working off of that kind of way of um, working through these problems what role
0: does meditation play in this
1: yeah i love the question um we're now in a time where meditation like you want the research it's there my friends like if if you need data <laughs> there it is plenty right? of information Plenty of, of data it minimizes the areas of our brain like the amygdala that is you know this alarm bell it thickens the areas where higher thinking you know we're, we're more connected and present and creative and and inhibit behavior it's all there you know on the on the on the Uh, health side as well it's you know your your immune system takes a break it could actually function properly uh your your vascular system is is more in tune you know we can go on and on and on so absolutely but now the question becomes what do i need to do to get those effects and and something that you know multiple researchers around the world are trying to figure out with what the you know what the the magic bullet is how much of this you know elixir do i need to drink to get to where i want to go and i think what's really interesting is The time you spend genuinely in that space of one-point focus, whether it be on your breath, the picture of your child, the flame, the clouds, whatever you want it to be, the more genuine you are about that one-point focus, the more you're developing the muscles, if you will that that come with meditation it doesn't have to be about a spiritual journey It doesn't have to be about a certain pose you hold it doesn't have to be about a mountaintop or any sort of stretchy pants right it has to be more about the internal experience and the one uh, one um, point focus and that also is a big part of insight generation you know i think that's why meditation leads to more creativity which is essentially just your brain talking to it to itself in a new way right regions of your brain say oh hey hey neighbor <laughs> what's up we haven't chatted what do you know and then boom here comes an insight well we know insight is driven by a few things but one of those things being this quiet internal you know reflective state so so i think meditation is huge i think some people are turned off by the idea of meditation i like to break it down to one point focus kind of being present And, and, you know, as we sit here now, we can be meditating on how our feet feel on the ground here, right? That's, that could be meditation. Focus on the now, as they say, is, is bulking up those muscles. I love it.
0: You know, in addition to things that people can do on their own, there's also tools that you use that we talked about a little bit in the broken brain series, but still is still are very new um, to people when it comes to helping strengthen that connection of creating new pathways it's almost like you know the pathways and our neurons was explained to me on a recent podcast i'm blanking on who it was but it's almost like if you're skiing down the same route you're skiing Mm -hmm. down the same route and these divots are created now you want to turn a different way it's hard to it's hard to get out of that divot of how things are there's tools you use to help people do that Uh, one of them is is biofeedback Mm -hmm. we talk about that and what it is and how you use it And so maybe some of the other tools that are not as well known um, to help people break through their way of thinking.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I use heart rate variability biofeedback, which essentially is looking at the interplay between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which, again, your sympathetic is your stress nervous system, your fight, flight or freeze nervous system. uh, And your parasympathetic is your rest and digest and there's always a you know, gas pedal and a brake happening in your body back and forth, and we just want to know what, what is that relationship, what's dominant. Um, so we can hook somebody up and, and, and read that, read that off of them. And I think where it becomes more, most powerful is that individuals are then able to see in real time how their body is functioning. I had someone come into clinic yesterday, in fact, and, and she ranked her stress 1 out of 10, one being like very low. But the biofeedback device that I was using... Said a different story. Mm. So she was primarily in the red, so to speak. And so we did a few exercises, very simple. Regulate your breath, you know, using what I call breathing training wheels, uh, you know, looking at a ball go up and down that essentially regulates your breath to a four to five second inhale, four to five second exhale. Just do that for a few minutes. Ask her then close her eyes and imagine the ball in her own mind's eye and do it again. And within a couple of minutes, she went from a stress state to a to a parasympathetic relaxed focused state and she's like i feel really relaxed right now And i said so what's less than one you know And she laughed and i said that's the mind body connection that's why i love using this tool because it helps people see a one is really not a one until they experience what a one really is
0: it's almost like there's there's the mind you know or there's the brain and, and how and what it's telling the body to, to feel and then there's like our intellect about it so in that situation, do you feel that she was being disingenuous, or she genuinely thought that she was at a one because she wasn't allowing herself to feel what was happening in the body? Like what, what is, I mean, maybe you can't speak to her specifically, but what's typical, it's almost like when people walk around and somebody says, you know, it's part of the culture, but no, how are you really doing? They're like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. But inside they may not be fine.
1: Well, there's a point of habituation. You've been carrying this around for so long that that's, that's what you know as your one, or you're three, or your ten, or you're whatever, right? It's just your brain can only consciously compute so much. That was her baseline. Yeah, that's like, well, I, I feel good. What's the problem here?
0: I'm not freaking out. I'm not having a panic attack. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: exactly. Right? And in fact, she's a she's a, a high level athlete. Yeah. Right. So so you would think that it would be developed, but you know, uh, just a little bit more in her story, she's very much externally driven, and she's come in to deal with anxiety well how do you deal with anxiety stop being externally driven on some level and find the relationship within to downregulate. find again the significance within as opposed to my coach will be proud of me you know why will you be proud of you yeah yeah yeah." but you know kind of my Mm. coach will be proud of me so with her it was very much important for us to identify and why you know i dove into this technology with her fairly quickly in our sessions was she was having a very hard time actually identifying what it feels like To be excited, proud, having fun, doing the things she does. When I asked her all about that, she literally said winning competitions, what she's doing at all on a world stage. She said, you know, hanging out with friends and, and traveling the world. She said, my coach is proud of me. I was like, these are great resume stuff again, right? The external stuff. Tell me about you. And then quickly I was joking with her and I said, describe what ice cream tastes like. And boom she told me right away I said, it's not funny you can tell me what ice cream feels like and tastes like and the experience but being proud of yourself right so if you want to unlock you're already at a world champion stage imagine what we can do if you just connect even deeper and and really bring your full self you know on the world stage now we're now we're having some fun
0: that's powerful yeah. I love that because there are times I think I can relate I as an entrepreneur and starting my journey, I was so excited to get involved in so many different projects and I probably overextended myself in terms of how many things I did. And I would always be excited about doing something new and physically I would show that excitement. Then you fall on your face enough times and you realize, <laughs> okay, there's some power to focus. There's something beautiful to that. And I think that also changed a little bit with my behavior. I became a little bit more, I'm not saying it's good, I'm not saying it's bad. There's probably pluses and minuses of it. I became a little bit more Stoic. I became a little bit more when it came to business, especially my personal life and that sort of stuff. I can express all the different emotions that are there, but in business, I wouldn't even allow myself to feel sometimes the successes that were there. And it's probably a little, you know, just responding back to the performance that was there previously and what that, that means again, not there's good traits to it. There's challenging traits, but I often don't know how I feel until I really check in.
1: Yes, yeah, and that's that's the pit stop, right? Like, that's, that's beautiful, and just acknowledging that, now you know. Like, that's your pit stop, taking the moment to really check in and seeing how you want to work through that. Um, you know, being uh, stoic towards something could... Like you said, you're building some really big muscles there, right? You're, right. You're really, you're really focusing on on some really powerful accountability, responsibility. What do I actually have control over? Muscles. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if it's stripping you from the enjoyment or the sitting back, putting your f- feet up once in a while and saying, "Yeah, I did this. I can feel what it feels like to accomplish certain goals." Then sure, I'd say let's let's work on that. But that's in some ways. Um, less of a challenge you know because your your external brain is telling you that so your brain is telling you about your external accomplishments that they're there so it almost lets it seep in a little easier yeah. than when you haven't done that it's like well, you want me to feel good about this <laughs> that's a little bit more challenging you have kids i have one i have one Oh, you have boy. one kid yes i have one yeah I have one child yes
0: how do you think about mindset when it comes to children and being there and being supportive but still letting them go through the experience they need to go through
1: yeah um, it's it it occupies my time and my energy and my thoughts uh, majority of the day as you can probably imagine you know the first thing I got credit my wife the first thing that I think she did very consciously and with him not including obviously you know spending time with him when he was an infant and all the rest of that uh, was she she got a book when he was about two years old I believe um called calm down time and i i, I literally said to her i'm like maybe it was even earlier than age two i'm not sure now but it was early in his development i said are you sure he's gonna even understand this like i was the one who was like mm. credit to her we started reading it to him so it was all about breathing and it's all about you know the emotions and and how it's okay and sometimes i need to hug myself and all of that kind of thing and now there's no you know sometimes we'll slip up here and there but we really use calm down time instead of time out Say you're, you know, you're overstimulated or there's something going on. Would you like a calm down time? Or mommy or daddy thinks maybe a calm down time is, is a good idea right now. And it's fabulous to see how fast he's picked up on that. And, and sometimes even we don't have to remove ourselves. He'll do it in that moment. He'll just start breathing, you know, albeit through his mouth. And I'm trying to teach him to breathe through his nose. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll engage in that. So again, go back to the basics. I want him to recognize the relationship his body and his behavior has uh, um, with how he can think and work through challenges. And then, um, you know, one thing that I think adults need as well, and, and that is autonomy, agency within boundaries. And and really what that means is, I'll say his name's Aiden. So I'll say, Aiden, buddy, you know, we're not, this is not happening the way that I think is most healthful for you and the family right now. You can do X and you can do Y. Which one would you like to do? I want to do A. Sorry, my son. You can do X and you can do Y. Please pick one so I don't have to pick for you. I would say 95% of the time he picks one. And then we go about doing that. So it's the boundaries there. You know, this is the behavior that your mom and I deem responsible, safe, acceptable in this environment. But you get to choose, right? And then the third thing would be, just getting down to his level and I don't mean thinking he's silly or stupid because he's not He's a brilliant boy and all children I think are it's about getting down his level so I can look him in the eye you know and we ask him to do the same when we say sorry and he's looking away like no 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 son look at my eye tell me you're sorry and again it's not like tell me you're sorry but express you know uh, you're your your you um, you're sorry for the situation and he'll do it, and we'll look him back in the eyes and say, thank you, we're sorry for our part in the situation as well.
0: Doing the same thing to him that you're asking. Absolutely. Which a lot of parents don't do. No. They expect that of their kids, no. yeah. but they don't do that. I can remember being a kid and being disciplined, but then feeling like, well, you don't do the same thing. And my parents are lovely and they're beautiful. They're doing the same thing that all parents are sure. doing. You know, they're sure. just trying their best.
1: Yeah. And this is this is about leadership. This is again, you know, transformational leadership is an inside out process. So I got to check in again, I got to know what's up with me before I try to go impart any sort of quote unquote wisdom onto my, my my son. In fact, he's probably teaching me more than I'm teaching him because he's holding a mirror up to me and saying, there you go, pops, you're screwing up on that one. Check in, <laughs> develop the muscle so you can work through it with me. And then I have a higher chance of influencing him. I lead myself, I influence him.
0: Can you think about a time in your own life where you've had to overcome a huge struggle and these tools and this resiliency played a, a role in it and, and what the learning lesson was? Uh,
1: too many to cover in this podcast, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, you know, our our mutual friend, uh, Mike Mutzel, was very honest with his journey and, and, you know, some of the things he struggled with, and I'm just going to Uh, you know piggyback off of that a little bit and and really shed some light on it because I think it's important for people to hear that there were plenty of times you know through the story I told you with all the change and the confusion where I thought it'd just be easier not to be here Mm. right and what's interesting for me a couple of things came up one I would think of my sister and how she would feel you know if I committed suicide and that really rattled me so sometimes we do more for others than we do for ourselves kind of idea yeah so that really rattled me the other thing was a little bit of maybe stubbornness in me maybe my wife will say a lot of stubbornness I don't know (laughs) but I would see others doing it well and not well in the sense that again they have their Learjet and so on and so forth doing it well that they're connected and they're honest and they're transparent and they're able to work through these things and like gosh darn it what is that you know, I want I want Willy Wonka's you know golden ticket. I want into this factory of the mind that can produce this bliss. Um and and so those two things really helped me keep moving forward. But there were dark dark days, weeks and months where it wasn't easy. I just kept asking myself, you know, if not for my sister, if not for these examples, you know, what can I what can I take from from this life? And so, um, that really helped me move move forward. And I have to say, on some level, um, and this is not true for everyone, so I understand you know you, you can't just stamp my story onto everyone else. But on some level, perhaps I did have my ego fulfilled with being you know able to do some of the performance stuff, like get grades or or make friends or beyond. You know the captain of the rugby team or whatever um, but that sometimes even gets scarier when you have all these things and you're like how dare you mm. right how dare you feel these things so again it's the judgment so it doesn't matter how you slice the pie at the end you're eating it right so uh, we can get wrapped up in the details but I think what's most impactful is to understand the commonalities in the in the common denominators that uh, are present in struggle, honoring the struggle, understanding the brain science, and working through the the steps to really be there for yourself and then for each other.
0: And these are all tools in the toolbox to be able to do that. And just um, earlier, uh, we recorded a podcast with a, a psychiatrist who's an open-minded, integrative psychiatrist, really good friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Omid Naim, also a fellow Iranian. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was based in Los Angeles and he's saying that, you know, We're simply trying to expand the tools in the toolbox that are available to us because a lot of people just do medication. And let's say for some, great, there's some progress that they make with that. And thank God that we have that ability, especially, you said, for people who are on the furthest side of uh, the spectrum, bipolar or having issues that they need real help in stabilizing. Um, But these other tools, they're the ones that work long term. Mm-hmm. When the medication sometimes stops working, when our body builds a tolerance, when the crutches and the performance things that we set up in our life start to fail, start to shift and life changes, we're really then only left with ourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really well said. I think the toolbox analogy is perfect. Again, if you if you just have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So if you're able to place more tools in your toolbox, you're able to build different relationships uh, and strengths so i I, I love that analogy and I, and I think that's what this is what works you know go with it but sometimes you gotta look outside the mainstream if you will even though again some of these techniques are becoming more and more mainstream uh, but it's not just a chemical imbalance that you need fixing oftentimes it's, it's more than that
0: thank you for that that was awesome w- earlier in the podcast we talked about the importance of community and friendship and things like that that add resilience and help us feel that we're not on the path alone. What's a practical thing in your life right now? I'm always interested in people who are in different places because me as, you know, not married and not having a kid, and you know, my life is probably going to be a little bit different in my interactions with friendships because I'm just not as responsible for maybe another person. My time is a little bit more open. As a dad, as a husband, um, and thinking about friendship in your own life and community in your own life, is there a practical hack of how you've... (laughs) kept it in and, and, uh, had it still be there to support you and all your goals, efforts and dreams?
1: Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a, it's a great question and a big question. Um, I, again, to be truthful, it's one that I'm constantly tweaking and trying to figure out, uh, really checking in my wife and I just had a wonderful conversation, uh, you know, a couple of nights ago, talking about the whole idea of social connections and community and are we, are we doing it as well as we can be? you know? And so I think it's an ongoing conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky, blessed, chose right, say it how you will, that I truly do believe my, my wife is, if not best friend, you know, a close individual in my life that I can share all parts of me. And I don't feel like I have to be distant from in, in, in any way, really. And I know that's not common, but I also know that we work our tails off to be in that space together. Uh, So I, I kind of fulfill some of that and just I find being at work, you know, being at work and speaking to, to people who are in the, in, in the same profession, that, that helps as well. Again, you know, I uh, used to play a lot more in the band. It took a little bit of hiatus, but uh, being in a band, playing different sports, all of these things come and go. And I think the important thing to, to keep in mind is, you know, we say this all the time. It's not uh, quantity, it's quality. Right. So do I have Harvard, Harvard did a study, the 75 plus year study on happiness and what actually, you know,
0: makes a difference, makes
1: a difference. And really, one of the questions that they were talking about is like, do you have someone you can call at 2am when everything is hitting the fan? Yeah, right. And I do. So I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. And I honor those relationships like none other. Right. But I don't have, you know, uh, 2530 people that I, you know, can go out and party with.
0: But a lot of research shows that that's really, that's what you need. That one person, you know, those couple people that are just really there for you and you feel seen and heard and you feel like they have your back.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's a, uh, there's a beautiful line from a song that says, my love is just the reminder, find your center. And I think that's what social support does. It shows you the love that you can have within yourself for yourself. And to take that in, And to then find how you can find your center and feel that love for yourself as well, right? It's not just about, let me keep drawing from you, Drew. Come on, I need more gas. Keep giving it to me. And then when you get tired, it's like, well, you're not a good friend anyways, Mm. right? It's no, let me show you love. It's your turn to find your center. Again, be accountable and responsible to the vibes and the energy you bring. So let me learn from what it feels like to be taken care of, and then find ways in myself that I can promote that and, 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 and build that within myself.
0: Dr. K, you're
1: awesome. Thank you, sir. That's, that's a high compliment coming from you.
0: Tell us, uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find out more about you, social media, and also work with you if they're interested.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So on the clinical side, um, my website is drknd.com. So that's drknd.com. On socials, it's at drkndcoach. And then on the uh, transformational leadership for organizations and the, and the mindset coaching around that, it's mindshift.ninja. No .com, no .ca, just .ninja. That .ninja,
0: you're living in the future. You're living in the future, am. <laughs> yeah. And then
1: it's at ninja. Those are the two places that you can find me.
0: Thank you so much. And our listeners will definitely find uh, the links to your websites in the show notes. And I just want to acknowledge you for really being a person who is so focused and committed on helping people feel better. I think it's great that we have all the tools of naturopathic medicine and functional medicine and what supplements people should take and how they should eat. But at the end of the day, there's really only one thing that really matters, and it's our relationship with ourselves. And that of course that's the foundation of the relationship that we have with other people and the planet being able to make a difference and uh, you're doing the work that is utmost needed right now in the world when I look around and I see levels of suicide rates going up and uh, forget even suicide just loneliness yeah. in the world so thank
1: you again for all the great work that you do I appreciate it thank you so much it means the world thank you
0: hi everyone I hope you enjoyed the interview just a reminder this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not, I repeat, it's not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner, you can visit ifm.org and search their find a provider database. It's important that you have somebody in your corner that's qualified, that's trained, that's a licensed healthcare practitioner helping you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.